Hello and welcome to Meliorism episode 6. This is the second time that I've recorded this episode because the first one I did was trash, I can't lie, like it was not good at all. I just felt really like out of it. <laughs> I felt like, not out of it, but I felt like unorganized, I didn't feel prepared when I started speaking about it, it was all over the place and I could hear it when I was actually recording. So I was trying to salvage it, I was trying to bring it back, I kept pausing it all the time and then I said, you know what, this ain't working today and if I was you, I would stop while you're ahead, just stop and come back to it. So that's what I did, that was yesterday. So I'll probably put a majority of that in the outtake so you can kind of see like what was going on and my thought processes and yeah, how that all panned out. But generally, I am glad that I started again just because I feel like I have more structure now. So I actually went away, wrote up my notes and yeah, I feel, I feel prepared. So this is take two of episode six. And today I want to talk a little bit about my natural hair journey. I know it's a very cliche title. I probably won't call it a natural hair journey, but that's what it is about. And how I became natural. So historically, I've always had straight hair, like straightened hair. As I grew up, I had really long hair. So it was like down to my, I want to say elbow. And I did look after it, my mum looked after it, it was very much cared for, but as I got older and I became more in control of my own hair, that's when I started to play around with it too much. I started to do too much and I was doing the most, basically. It was the era of pink gel and Dax and trying to make sure that all the hairs were slicked down and that you couldn't see any frizz. That was my era. So it slipped back into a bun, baby hairs all over the place, and really tight. So I used to tie my hair really tight. I remember I used to pull it, and I used to make sure that the hairband could go around as much as possible. So when there was like a little bit of give, I would pull it until it would go around one more time. So my, yeah, you could see it in my eyes. <laughs> it was very tight, and it's had the eyeliner. So that kind of treatment over time obviously damaged my hair. And then when I stopped slicking it back, I went straight into straightening. So I used to straighten it and that was like a ritual. Every single weekend I'd wash my hair and then I spent hours straightening it. And then as I got a tiny bit more adventurous, I got a fringe. And then a little bit more adventurous, I bleached the bottom. It sounds like adventurous, but actually in reality it's like damaging my hair more and more, just in multiple different ways. So when I did decide to go natural, it was a bit of a myth, I cannot lie to you. My hair was beyond repair. It was so damaged at that point that when I tried to go curly, just to kind of let it, you know, flow and just be natural, it was just looking a mess. It was, just, <laughs> it was looking so wiggledy-piggledy. Like the bits where there was supposed to be curls were just straight and sometimes zigzaggy. And I really wasn't sure what was going on because I didn't know about heat damage. <laughs> Ironically, I just didn't know about heat damage. And 
I started to look online, go on blogs and stuff and YouTube and they all said the same thing. They were like, your hair needs to get cut off. And I was like, no, 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 there has to be something else. I was like, maybe I use protein treatment because that does help to like reform like your curl pattern sometimes. So I was thinking, yeah, no, I'll just do that. I did everything. I did everything. And yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't working for me, to be honest. So I had to do the trim small, small approach. Like I know a few people that have done the big chop, but I just wasn't brave enough. So I just thought, you know what, let me just do it slowly, slowly. And then I'll just trim away little bits of the damaged hair. And then I'll just work on my way to fully natural hair. So that's been going on for at least seven years now. I think the catalyst for that was just because I was trying to find out more about myself. So this was actually pretty much soon after I broke up with my ex that I was thinking, okay, like, what do I like to do? Where do I like to go? Hence the traveling and all the things that I was talking about before. But this time I was like, what do I put in my hair? How do I like my hair to look? And also I became very conscious about the things that I was putting in my body and on my hair. So that the foods I ate, the products I used, things I put in my hair. And I think looking into those things more made me more convinced that going natural was the right way. That was one of the reasons. I also started to feel quite passionate about kind of living in my truth as it were. And going natural physically exemplified that for me. And I'm not saying that obviously wearing weave or like having relax or anything like takes away from that at all. I just felt like for me personally, that route made me feel more connected. It's like a physical embodiment of my desire to reconnect with myself. So it was deeper than just going natural and removing heat damage. It was actually more about going back to the roots. It also teaches you how to be patient. I've learned a lot you just have to wait until things are ready. Like, you cannot just go natural overnight. You have to gradually do it. Like, I would say only now is my hair fully natural from root to tip. And I would say my hair is, like, shoulder length and it's natural all the way through. But for at least a good three years, my hair was, like, half-half and it just looked mad. <laughs> so I used to, like, put, like, a hairband at the top and then try and push back the the curly bit just because I felt like it was it was better because otherwise it just looked like it was like in the middle of a of a journey <laughs> like my hair was going curly curly then straight straight so I thought you know what, let me just put a hairband on it or like tie it back or stuff like that so I tried all these different styles um but generally it didn't look great um at that time and I do know how to came well so I just came all the front and that helped a lot and then I'd kind of like leave the back kind of out in a in a kind of style that I don't know what to call it. But yeah, that was kind of like why I did it. And then I had to figure out how to go about actually going natural. So there's one thing saying to yourself, All right, I'm going to go natural. And there's another thing actually trying to go natural and figuring out where to start, who to look into, like what kind of influences are, are useful. because to be honest, like that's probably one of the main spaces that I that gained a lot of my knowledge from. 
So there was a YouTuber called, or she's still actually, she's still there, um, Sunkiss Alba. She was great. Like when I first started looking into like going natural, she was really, really good because she would give you a lot of um, information around porosity, which I never heard about before, different types of methods. Um, and also there's another influencer called Nappy Foo, who I think is really good. She's so funny as well. And yeah, they're both just really insightful. So I kind of looked at both of their videos and I learned a lot. So in terms of the porosity, like test and porosity in general, what I found out, and I'm sure a lot of people do know about it, but for anyone that doesn't know about it or has never heard of it before, porosity is basically the ability for your hair to absorb moisture or retain it. So it affects how well oils and moisture pass in and out of the layer of your hair, which is also known as like the cuticle. So if you were to like zoom into your hair or like put your hair under a microscope, then you'd see that the hair strand consists of all these cuticles and they can either be closed or open or like midway, I guess, but most people are like one way or the other. And if you have high porosity hair, it means your hair does absorb water and oil and moisture um, well, but it doesn't necessarily keep it there either. It will like escape because the cuticles are always open. So it's kind of going in and out as it were. Um, but with the low porosity hair, it's the opposite way around. So like it's harder for moisture to get into the cuticle in the first place. So your hair's kind of drier. Um, and then once it is in, you have to like seal it in, um, probably through heat. Now this is where it gets interesting for me. So in order to do this episode, I looked into the porosity of my hair and I've done this before. So I've taken a strand of my hair, put it in water and I've left it for an hour or two to see whether it drops or whether it stays at the top or whether it goes in the middle. So the bottom is high porosity because the cuticles are open, water's gotten in and it's sunk to the bottom. If it's high porosity, it sits at the top. The first time I did this test, I swear my hair went to the bottom, but maybe in hindsight, I think I actually might have pushed it a little bit, but it did go to the bottom or at least midway. This time it was at the top and I was like, okay, that's weird. So I thought, let me leave it. And I had just like deep conditioned my hair and washed out all the products. So I was like, okay, that is weird. So I left it for a few hours and even now that hair is just sitting on top of the water. So I was like, wait, so my hair is low porosity, not high which I've been saying this whole time, like, oh, I have high porosity hair, blah, 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 but I don't. So now I'm going to have to look into what products work for low porosity hair and how best to care for low porosity hair, which I didn't know before because um, I just found out today and I've been natural for about seven years. So <laughs> you learn something new every day. And I think with natural hair as well, it is really interesting because it does evolve over time. Like your hair changes. Like your curl pattern changes slightly, um, like the way your hair kind of drops, like the curls, the style of the curls, and it changes all the time. For me personally, that's how I found it anyway. So yeah, that's the first thing. So looking at the porosity of your hair just gives you an indication as like what products you should use because a lot of the time you go online and you'll see someone with lovely hair, beautiful hair. Uh, influencer and she will have very different hair from you and she'll have hair down to her back and 
you're looking at that and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is all she did. And she gives you like five tips. These are the five things that I did to get my hair like this. And her hair is not your hair. So when you're looking at it, you're thinking that you're going to achieve the same look and you're not because you're going to have to have a different routine based on your hair type. So for the longest time, I was getting a bit gassed about, you know, potentially having hair like this woman or that woman. But yeah, I quickly found out that it wasn't like that. So that's one of the things that I would recommend. So definitely look into hair porosity because it's important and it's insightful. And then the second thing I looked into was the lock method. So the lock method is a moisturization layering technique that consists of applying liquid to hydrate the hair, oil to lock in moisture and cream to prevent moisture loss. And then it says here, the exact protocol you use depends on how thirsty your hair is, often determined by your hair's natural porosity. So the two are kind of interlinked, but yeah, lock is just an acronym for liquid oil and cream. So what I do is I get like a spray bottle and I put in leave-in conditioner and then I put in like a little bit of oil. I don't know if that's advised or that's what I do because that's what I find works for me personally. And then I shake it all up and then I use that every time I have my hair out. So whenever I just got my hair out, I spray it and then I would either finger detangle or I would use a wide tooth comb. So it's not really recommended that you use like small combs because they break your hair. But if you use, usually I use my fingers because obviously it's a wide um, like distance between my fingers. So I'm not breaking my hair. Or yeah, I sometimes use a wide tooth comb. But once I've done that, I will then put cream in my hair. So it's some kind of moisturizer to seal in all of the product that I just put in my hair. And I do find that that works for the most part. I definitely wouldn't say that I have found the best cream slash moisturizer for my hair. It's just not happened for me. Like I've tried so many different types of creams and I honestly wouldn't swear by any of them. I would say some of them are better than others, but yeah, generally it's just difficult for me to find something that I'm proper happy with and that I shout about. Like one thing I would say that I am super fan of is the Cantu conditioning co-wash like I think it's really really good like it's got 15 different oils in it you put it in your hair and then you leave it for a bit and you can wash it out sometimes though I do leave it in if I'm having my hair out and I just need something to kind of protect it with moisture I'll just keep it in I know it's not advised but that's what I do and I don't care <laughs> so but yeah I think it is really good um I would definitely swear by that I've tried other co-washes in the past even co-washing itself, I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what a co-wash was. So I used to shampoo my hair historically with like oils, like the olive oil one. And it was fine. Actually, there was another one. There was another one that was peppermint. I think it was oils as well. I'm not sure, but it was like super strong smelling. And if I went into your eye, then you need to stop <laughs> you need to stop and you need to go wash your eye out because that would sting so I used to do that and then as I was looking into things I kind of moved away from that went into oars then after that realized that shampoo for black women it's not actually that great like it strips your hair of your natural moisture and your natural oils so 
what we're trying to do as black people is to reintroduce moisture into our hair and not the opposite way around. So you can clean your scalp, you can clean your hair and you'll get the same level of cleanliness from co-washing. So I find that really works for me. So you can literally use it and then like scrub it into your scalp kind of thing. Don't use your nails because it damages your follicles. So that was something else that I learned through going natural. So I've moved away from shampoos for the most part. Like sometimes I use it if I can't find the coat wash. Like during the lockdown, obviously where they closed all the black hair shops because they didn't think they were essential, I had to start going into Boots and Superdrug and trying to find the coat wash because I know they've created this tiny section. So I was thinking, oh, maybe it's there. I was going to Boots after Boots after Boots. I was like, there's no coat wash here. I was getting vexed and there's other ones that you can buy but I don't like them so I was like I want this one so I actually ended up buying this like cleansing shampoo or clarifying I think it was called clarifying shampoo and I really didn't like it like as soon as I used it my hair was so dry and it was for black women but I just made my hair really dry so yeah I wasn't happy about that so yeah I'm definitely just gonna stick with the co-wash um, method and also some people wash and go but I think that's still a great area for me. I really still don't really understand that. Because <laughs> you wash in and go. You're, so you just like put stuff in your hair and you leave. But like I said, it's very, very specific to your hair type. This is a very individual journey. I think it's really important to get advice from other natural hair specialists, I guess. But don't take it as gospel. Like if they say use co-wash, finger detangle... Um, I don't know, don't use towels for your hair. Use something like a microfiber towel or t-shirt because it's less abrasive. You can listen to those things, but I think when they say use this product or this what worked for me, I used a rice water and now my hair's down to my waist. I think that you should really like take that with a pinch of salt and just see what works for you personally. And it's all trial and error. Like, you're never going to find something and then just be like, okay, cool, this is the perfect thing. Maybe you will, but more often than not, you won't. So it's better to just try things and say, okay, that, that works for me. I'll keep this one. This one doesn't work for me. I won't keep that one, so on and so forth. So, yeah, that's another thing that I would say to look into. Last year, I became a lot more cognizant of the origins of the products that I was using so for the longest time I've used particular products I haven't thought twice about it but when you know the black rights movement was really at its peak and everything was happening around black lives matter I just started to think okay we're looking for real long-lasting change here in so many different areas of life and I personally didn't feel like I was doing much to support my community when it came to where I put my pound because if you think about it generally across the board so I'm looking at this from a overall perspective the black pound doesn't stay in a black community for longer than a day I looked this up before it was actually a shocking statistic um I'm going to find it. I'm going to pause it for one minute and I'm going to find the statistic. Okay, so I've found something, but it's not for the pound, it's for the dollar. But it's the same premise. 
So currently, a dollar circulates in the Asian communities for a month, in the Jewish communities approximately 20 days, and white communities 17 days, within the black community, six hours. <laughs> six hours is by quite a large extent. And I found that very shocking. And yeah, I was just really blown away by that statistic. So if you have ever watched, um, what's his name again? I think it's Killer Mike. Uh, he has a documentary um, on Netflix called Trigger Warning. And there's an episode, I think it's called Live in Black. Yeah, he has an episode called Live in Black. He did this in 2019. Do you know how good this documentary is? I don't know why he hasn't brought out another one. But yeah, Live in Black is the first episode um, aired on the 18th of January, 2019. But yeah, you can find it on Netflix. He tried to live black for, I think it was like a week. Was it a week? Or was it a few days? Either way, he ended up sleeping on a park bench. He couldn't get from one place to the other. He couldn't even smoke weed because he smoked weed a lot. And he was like, black people will actually distribute it, but they're not the people that acquire it, essentially. What else can he do? He couldn't really eat food. He didn't have a phone because he was like, there's no black companies that create that kind of technology. He did end up eating something at some point, but yeah, it was minimal. And it was just shocking. It was a very shocking documentary. It really opened my eyes. Um, I have been trying to put my money into black communities more. Like, I can't lie, it's not always easy for various reasons. But more often than not, it is my intention to try and do that because I think it's really important and it starts with us. Because if we're going to make real change, then it does come down to where we put our money at the end of the day. And it has to be long-lasting because my whole concern last year with... BLM was that it wasn't going to be a long-lasting change. It was just going to be a trend and people were going to hashtag it and that would be it. So I try to, just, just go off on a tangent, sorry, um, but I try to buy more black products. So this was the first thing I did. So I went online and I just, my heart was heavy, obviously. I was just trying to find a way to help and to really highlight the great companies that are out there. So I did a bit of an audit of all of the products that I own. <laughs> so I went to my bathroom, took all my products out, sat down, went onto Google Sheets and I called it Black Owned Accountability. And I just listed which products I use that are black owned. And because I'm also looking into certain ingredients, I just wanted to see whether they had perfumes or parabens or sulfates and things like that. And for the most part, I think only like, 15 to 20% of the products that I have are black owned. And these are all black hair products that I use for my hair as a black woman, but they're not black owned. So I found that very insightful and like, I was very, very surprised. So I just wanted to kind of shout about some of the ones that are black owned. Um, so like Oars is, so the founder is Gary Gardner of Namaste Laboratories. Also, T4447, I'm not sure if that's how they went to be pronounced, but it's basically a hair food um, that I use because I, J 
generally have my hair in plaits a lot of the time. So it's really good for that. Like it helps to nourish my scalp and it's just good that like, I've recommended it to people. It also helps if your hair is like thinning as well. It does help with that. Um, so yeah, it's got lots of natural oils in it. And I also use hair wax from a brand called Style and Dreads. And its actual description is molding gel wax by Style and Dreads, which is part of the M&M product company. I have some other ones, but they're not hair products, so I'm not going to cover them. But another one that I would actually shout out that's not a hair product is Born Beautiful. So yeah, Born Beautiful Naturals Limited. And she has a Hydra Boost Moisturising Body Wash that I use all the time, and it's amazing, and it feels great, and... I highly recommend it. It's got no sulfates. So it's generally quite natural. It's got a fragrance in it. Just got essential oils in it. So yeah, it's banging. But yeah, I became a lot more cognizant of that and where I was putting my money. And I was really trying to continually keep my pound in the black community. But it's it's near impossible. I'll be honest with you. Right now, I'm not saying it's possible forever, but it's very difficult right now. Um, just because if you go into a black hair shop, but I'm using air quotations here, they're not owned by black people a lot of the time. So yeah, so that was another thing that I had to kind of come to grips with because this has been my experience my whole life, to be honest. But I guess when I became consciously aware of it, I started to question that. And in the past, I did try to, you know, create my own little website and try and get on the supply chain and, you know, speak with wholesalers. And it is very much monopolized. So it felt like there wasn't much opportunity to get in into that myself. Um, but yeah, a lot of the black hair stores are not black owned and there's no customer service in them stores. So after everything that happened last year, I decided that I wasn't going to go into a black hair shop anymore. And suffice to say, I have been because it is really difficult to secure those products elsewhere. Because even if you go online, then you're probably putting money into like other online retailers, but it's not black owned either way. So it's kind of like difficult to find that. And I mean, if someone does know, please tell me, like reach out to me on SoundCloud because I still have that messaging feature. So just let me know like what you're doing because I am still super keen to invest my money in black hair stores but it's uh yeah it's, it's a very difficult very difficult journey to be honest with you so just looking online what I did find is there were a few so one's called Sandy's hair and cosmetics in Lewisham uh there's also one called Golden Touch in Woodgrange Road in E7, there's one called Mr. Class in Tottenham, there's one called A Glory in South London, slash Kent it says though, uh, and there's one called Hair Glow in Bromley. So yeah, I feel like there are, there are actually opportunities out there, so it's just about going there and finding them and hoping that they have like good customer service, product knowledge, and all that jazz um, because it is really important on top of that because when I first went natural I knew that I couldn't go to a black hair store and find out what products to use for my hair because even when I go in there I'm gonna be followed around the store and they're not gonna help me 
if anything they're just gonna look at me with like suspicious eyes like I'm gonna steal and it made me feel really self-conscious so I started to hate going in there um but also not feeling like there's much more options out there so it's just a frustrating journey it's a frustrating cycle <laughs> sorry to rant but it is annoying so I can't lie so yeah I have tried a lot of products um there was a time where I was proper into oils and I thought yeah oils that's what I need to do put lots of oil in my hair like that's gonna be great and I went to PAX and I brought like a whole basket full of different oils like peppermint oil argan oil all the oils um and I mixed it with water and like different products and put it in my hair and honestly I don't think it did much for me just because it made my hair oily like ironically <laughs> it made my hair oily and it wasn't penetrating like it wasn't going into the the hair cuticles so I was a bit like oh what's going on like but I've had so many products over the past seven years it is actually unbelievable like I could probably open my own shop <laughs> but I've tried them it's like trial and error so I think I have about three four products now I've gotten it down I use oil now and then but not often um it's mainly leave-in conditioner that's a staple like always leave-in conditioner and then cream co-wash yeah I think that's it actually oh yeah and then also for the edges because of course we care about our edges I use what's it called oh my gosh what's it called the one that everyone uses. Oh, Eco Gel. I use Eco Gel. But Eco Gel, and it also has the flaxseed. So they have a Eco Gel with flaxseed in it, which is a bit more natural. Because I know there was a whole period, was it last year or the year before, where there was some particular ingredient that everyone was saying was not good for you at all. And um, yeah, basically the boycotting them. And I think this whole product came out of that upheaval so yeah I think it's a much better version of eco gel I don't know I can't speak to the previous version I don't know at all I have no idea but I use the one with flaxseed in it and it's been working for me uh, a lot when I basically do my hair when I'm plaiting it so I'm quite lucky that I can plait my hair so I can cane roll so like I said, when I first went natural, I do a few plaits now and then. But for the most part, nowadays, I do plait my hair a lot. I just um, came on the front, and I have a very talented lady do the back for me. I actually just came back from her house, um, and she really puts it down, man. She's so good. She's so tidy, like, so neat, and it lasts for so long. Like, I can leave it for about a month, and it will still be neat. It will grow whilst it's in the plaits but generally the style is still there you can still see what it is this is how I learned how to grow my hair so I tried everything I was trying all these different techniques and it was weird because obviously when I was younger I had really long hair but as I continued to do all these different things with my hair my hair would break and break and break but then it wouldn't grow back to the same length so yeah my hair's just progressively been getting shorter as time's been you know progressing so I didn't know what to do I just kept trying different things um and my hair was still the same length the whole time <laughs> until um one time that I actually had my hair in plaits for a particular reason and I knew that I wasn't gonna actually 
do my hair for at least at least two weeks so I left it in plaits and then when I had the time to take it out I noticed that it would grown like by like an inch something tiny like a tiny tiny percentage but I was like that I'll take it I was like I'll take that and I was like what what made that happen like I don't know why that happens I just left it alone wouldn't it be the opposite way around like the more I do to it the more it grows wrong like the more you leave your hair the more it grows I didn't like understand it at first but generally if you just leave your hair alone like plait it do whatever but just don't touch it your hair will grow I can almost guarantee it to be honest with you because that's how our hair likes to be treated and obviously I don't mean leave it alone to get matted and like don't ever wash it and like all that madness like obviously well when I say don't wash it I don't actually wash my hair like when it's light <laughs> but I do like co-wash it if it needs it um but I am of the opinion that if the more you leave it the more it grows so I would just leave it in the plaits and yeah like just see how we go from there and it's it's working really well like during lockdown, my hair was in plaits continuously and it grew by, like, I would say about four or five inches um, during that time. So it was the longest it's ever been for a long time. Obviously not since I was a child, but I mean, like, for a long time in my adult years. Um, but then recently, because my hair was dyed at the bottom, I noticed that it was starting to get um, quite dry, like, all the time. And you know you're supposed to trim your hair, like, every few months like I hadn't trimmed my hair for like a year so even though I like the length I was like it's not good quality hair that you have though at the bottom it's really dry damaged hair so I had to like bite the bullet and basically call my friend and she came and she trimmed it and now it's like shorter again but it's a healthier version of my hair that there was before so I'm just doing it again now so I just got my hair plaited I'm gonna leave it for like a month um, I'm going to make sure that I do deep condition it at some point though because last year, even though it had grown by like an inch, I left it for like two months and I expected to have at least two, three inches and it was only an inch longer. If that, like I wouldn't say it was even a whole inch, it was like a little bit and I was like, oh, that's disappointing. I think what happened was because my hair was so dry, it was breaking. So even though I could definitely feel their hair growth at the top, I could literally pull it and feel the roots like pulling where the growth was, it didn't mean that the bottom wasn't breaking. So I was like, I was disappointed. So now I'm gonna do the same thing, leave it alone, and then I'm just gonna moisturize, even just moisturizing the bottom to be fair, because that's the bit that's gonna be affected the most by not washing or co-washing your hair. So I'm just gonna do that and then assess it and see how it go. But yeah, that's really helped me. So I would definitely, definitely recommend doing that because yeah it's just been amazing it's been a real eye-opener and no one actually told me about it I just found out but I think that kind of goes back to you know protective styles and why they're so good because me having plaits obviously it's a style but it's also a protective style so if you have weave and you have plaits underneath that's still exactly the same thing but it's probably more protective because it has weave over to like protect the the plaits from like the weather and pollution and all that jazz so yeah, it's just um, probably one of my biggest tips like, to go natural is just when you're actually ready, do all the work you got to do, like trim it, do the health check, do the big chop, moisturize it and stuff. But if you're going for growth, then you probably need to cane roll it and leave it for a bit. And then when you get like a month or so in, 
then you can just do it again, like wash it, take it out. Another thing that you will notice is that a lot of hair will come out. So we lose about 100 strands of hair a day. So when you are having your hair in plaits, obviously you can imagine when you actually go stick it out, it does look crazy. You're, you might freak out, but it's not, it's nothing to worry about. It's just natural, your hair's shedding. So your hair's coming out naturally, but because it's in plaits, obviously it's still contained within that structure. And then you'll take it out and then it will come out with it. So the rest of your hair will be fine though. That's another thing. And another thing that I learned is that your hair grows, black hair, sorry, be specific. And I can only talk about my hair, but generally from a lot of the resources that I read, it was around black hair in general. It wasn't like specific to any type of hair, that your hair grows one to two inches every two months, just naturally. So that's where the patient's bit comes in. And I think you could probably expedite that a little bit with plaiting it. But generally, black hair doesn't grow fast. Unless you have a certain type of hair, obviously. I mean, some people do have hair that grows considerably faster. But I think that comes down to genetics, to be honest. I mean, like your cultural background. Oh, yeah. And going back to the products and the, the different types of ingredients, it is important to look into them. Like one of the things that I stay away from is like parabens and sulfates just because they do tend to damage your hair. But also doing some additional research into parabens, it's not a common ingredient that people use nowadays it was an ingredient that people used to use but they don't use it as much anymore but I think now it's a bit gimmicky when people say oh there's no parabens it's like okay cool because generally people don't use parabens that much anymore but sulfates um I feel like sulfates are a necessary product um let me just find out what sulfates do because I say it all the time I'm like oh I don't want sulfates but the sulfates help to strip oil and dirt away from the hair um, but the hair does need a natural, like, level of oil um, just to maintain, like, the quality of your hair. So it's not that it's bad for you. It's just that it can dry your hair out. And something else that I read the other day, which I found really, really interesting, was around how damaging certain products can be. I've actually been reading, well, I've actually just finished it, um, Slay in Your Lane. I'm very late, I know it was published in like 2019 or something, but when I mean to tell you this book is so good, so interesting, so insightful and so relatable, like it's just crazy. I couldn't speak highly enough of this book. I didn't have any expectations because I didn't actually know what it was about. I just saw a black girl Bible and I was like, I'm in, say no more. <laughs> but actually, yeah, it's, it's about... Um, a lot of different things about different experiences that black women have had in the working world, um, across different areas of life. So around health, dating, um, products that we put in our hair. And that's where I read this um, really interesting extract. We've had emails from two different African-American women who work with cadavers and found that black women would frequently have chemical damage to the skull and in some cases scarring on the brain, which are believed to be linked to relaxer use. So that is a crazy, crazy sentence to me that I couldn't believe it. Like I knew that some products can be unhealthy, but that is actually very scary, that to me. I've only had my hair relaxed once, but... 
we all know that Relaxa is a staple in the black community. I would say that it isn't as prevalent, obviously, now that people are becoming a lot more consciously aware of, like, products that we're putting in our hair and natural hair and things like that and being more proud. But it is very much still about, like, it's not disappeared. I think the growth of relaxers have decreased over time, which is good, and I'm happy to hear it, to be honest with you. Oh, here it is, right. It says... Although there is no data available for the UK, according to a report in the US, relaxers were the only category on black hair care not to see growth since 2008, suggesting that natural hair is the new normal. The report also states that the natural hair trend has increased the sales of styling products for natural hair and that in 2013, 70% of black women in the US wore or had worn hair in a natural way. Just paraphrase the last bit because I said it wrong, but... Basically, 70% of black women in the US wore or had worn their hair natural. So, yeah, I mean, it's really important to to talk about that and to see more representation in the media around natural hair and how we should embrace it and how it's not something to be ashamed of. We were born with our hair like this. We have beautiful, beautiful natural hair. I will not change who I am to assimilate, essentially. Like, my hair is... A really big part of who I am and it represents me it represents my culture I believe that no one should have to dull their shine for anyone else and yeah of course it raises questions like I had that a lot from work um when I used to work in the office People be like, oh, you've done your hair. Like some people say your oh, hair looks really nice or like, oh my gosh, like how did you get your hair like that? Or I actually I don't think I've ever had someone say, can I touch your hair? But I have had someone just go to do it. Like, literally, I was walking um, through the office and they just came over. Oh, I was actually walking down the stairs and they're walking up the stairs. And they just put their hand out and I just ducked my head. And I was like, looked at him like, you better not even bother. And one of the girls, she looked at me and she started laughing. She was like, I saw what you did there. And I was like, yes, you saw and you get it. So, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> that's probably a whole episode for another day to be honest with you um but I think it's important I think for the longest time I used to have my hair straight because a I thought that you know that was the the best thing ever and secondly I felt like it made me fit in more and I didn't really even think about that until later later on when I went natural I was like why was I doing straight hair straight hair every second I don't know why, and I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. So I think it was a conditioning thing, but also I just felt like I was more uncomfortable with the thought of going into work with cane roll, because if I had cane roll, people were going to start talking to me about it, I feel uncomfortable, stand out. In the book, it says, you can't not be a black woman, so you might as well own it. In every single facet of life, we are who we are, and like, our hair is a part of who we are. It's important. So yeah, to summarize, I have a few tips outside of the ones I've provided previously that hopefully will help if you are considering going natural. And yeah, I hope they help. So one of the things I would say is trim your hair as much as you feel comfortable with at the beginning. So I personally think that if I had an opportunity to do it again, 
I would have just done the big chop because that consistent chum 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 job was long over three years Whew. yeah I would have just done it I would have just done it and be done because at least when it's growing you're actually like falling in love with every single curl and you're seeing it really take form and it's beautiful and you're loving every bit of it and you're learning what works for you but when you are transitioning and your hair's half and half it's really difficult because you can't even see the full natural curl pattern because the end is damaged. So it takes ages to try and find a style that works and all of that. So yeah, generally, I think I would have probably just just done the big chop and done. But yeah, work, do whatever works for you, obviously. Um, but trimming is important because if you don't trim it, as I mentioned, it can break. It can start splitting um, and then it doesn't grow anyway. So yeah, just make sure that you're trimming your hair and that you're looking after it from that perspective. Find products that work for you, not somebody else. <laughs> like, obviously, take advice from people, but I would say try it. If it doesn't work for you, don't push it. I would just get rid of it or give it to somebody else and then try something else. And you might be trying for ages, but at least you're starting somewhere. I personally try and have ingredients that are more natural another thing actually a good tip is that to look for a product that has water as its first ingredient because you know that it's more natural than some of the other ones another thing is elastic bands are no no so if you are going for plaits don't use elastic bands at the end because they will split your hair so your hair's just going to break at the bottom and then it won't grow so what i've done is i've moved away from elastic bands and i'm now using kind of like material-based bands. I don't know what to call them, <laughs> clearly, but they're not elastic. So yeah, don't use elastic bands. I used to use them all the time when I used to pluck my hair. Um, but yeah, I would definitely steer clear of that. Um, deep condition your hair once a week. I say this, but I do not do this. I would say that I need to do it better, but I don't do it currently. And now that I've just plucked my hair, I probably won't do it. I'll probably do it once in a month but yeah ideally if you've gone for the big chop for example then you have a great opportunity to deep condition your hair it will grow more it will be more luscious it will thank you it will be very grateful that you're doing it yeah i mean they're the main things that i would say personally um if you do want to go natural i think it's um exciting i'm happy for you if you ever want to tell me how it's going, then you can message me on soundcloud.com forward slash yet another podcaster. I'm actually considering just publishing my podcast on Spotify and anywhere else that Anchor distributes the podcast instead of using SoundCloud for the podcast. But I will still be checking it for the messaging function. So if you want to message me, I will still be checking my messages. So do that if you want to. But yeah, the reason for that is just because it's a massive faff to upload my podcast to SoundCloud. There's so much requirements. There's a very specific format that you have to have and then it makes the file really, really big. And yeah, it's just long basically. So I might just stick to Spotify, but yeah, you can still message me on SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud is a really great platform. Um, so yeah, I'm not criticizing it in any way. I'm just saying it doesn't work for me personally. And yeah, that's it. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to my natural hair journey and how I came to be where I am. I hope you're all 
doing well and I will speak to you soon. Bye!